Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I am joined by Eric, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the first season of Tiger and Bunny from 2011. There were 25 half-hour episodes. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I'm doing great, John. How are you? I am doing well. Now, this was, what, uh, 10, 12 hours of, of viewing thereabouts? Sounds about right, yep. It was, uh, really, I think they come down to about 25-minute episodes. You take, it depends if you fast-forward, I think, over the opening credits song type thing, which is, I don't know, 30 seconds or so, and man, the credits at the end. <laughs> Those go for, it feels like, I don't know, two minutes or something? Yep. So, there's some stuff, and I, I get into this habit sometimes with the Super Sentai stuff of, as fun as the opening music is, if I'm marathoning a bunch of episodes, I can skip it a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, the option was always there, because we're, I'm assuming we both watched on Netflix. Mm -hmm. The option was there to skip the intro, and by about the fifth episode... I can't pronounce any of the words that they were saying, but I sure knew the melody, and I was just like humming along, and I'm like, you know what? I kind of like this song. I'm just going to ride with it. <laughs> That's one of the things I find with the Super Sentai shows is sometimes it takes me a while to, to really you know get used to the new theme song and stuff like that. Other times I like it from the get-go. There have been one or two, or even at the end, yeah, I'm still not too crazy about it. <laughs> I mean, it, it probably helps if you know what the words are, but if yeah, this one is peppy, it's upbeat. Mm-hmm. They usually do a pretty good job all the way around on production values for uh, for the shows over in Japan, from what I've seen. The music is top-notch. They've got some really talented people do it. They've got, again, like you said, it was a peppy, upbeat kind of a, a score. Yeah, I think they've got, frankly, much better quality kids' entertainment and such than we have here. Not that I think this is necessarily kids' entertainment, but you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure, actually, what age group this was targeted to over there. Yeah, I mean, there was some language that... I was kind of like, eh, I probably won't let my eight-year-old see this yet. I couldn't tell how much of that was in the source material or when it got translated over. Sure. No, that's fair. The language got upped. Because there were a couple of times, it's like, you know, you really don't need that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm old school on this, people know it, but I, I kind of think profanity is for the unimaginative. There's usually a better, more illustrative way to phrase things. So... But that's just me. And I'm I'm kind of middle of the road. I'm not a sailor, but I think there's certain there's certain points in a script where it can work, you know, if it helps to make a point, but gratuitous is unnecessary and I don't well, I don't think that they ever got gratuitous with it per se. I definitely think there was a couple of lines where I, I just a few times seemed like later on in the season where I was like, Wow, that was harsh. Like that yeah. really hit. It tended to be harsher language, but I would agree it was not gratuitous. What always gets me is when you've got somebody saying, you know, an expletive out of surprise, shock, or because the writer couldn't think of anything else to say. And I never <laughs> felt like that was the case here. Yeah, no, it, it, it fit in the narrative. Again, it's just kind of a couple of those times where it was like, wow, that was strong. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those things where I think, depending on how mature your, your child may be, 
you know, I don't think that this is anything that a teenager is not going to hear. It certainly wasn't as <laughs> as foul as some of the teenagers that walk into the store talk. <laughs> so it's it's not like it's not like clutch your pearls and go, oh my gosh. But it's just something I wouldn't necessarily give to a kid under twelve. I would say I would agree with that, and it's also something I felt it didn't need, and I didn't think it fit. Particularly later in the season, like uh, Kaede shows up a lot more, and she's like ten. Yeah, yeah, that was the part that was kind of a little off, you know, because I felt like that was a character that kids could more closely assimilate to, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they don't have special powers, but, you know, just kind of some of the the behavior, the, you know, I thought she was, the writing for her in general was pretty spot on, um, and having an eight-year-old daughter and her being a 10-year-old, I kind of definitely see some parallels in behavior, so that was on, but, but yeah, um, to your point, having that be a relatively important character towards the last quarter of the season. Yeah, not really written for that age group. Yeah. Well, and that was a character that when we read the manga, I really didn't think her introduction there was well done at all, whereas her introduction in the early episodes here, I thought was was fairly good. I mean, it was a little unclear why she was in the city, given later she's living out in the burbs. But it's like, okay, she's there for a skating thing or whatever. She was a fun character. She was. I I really enjoyed the way her evolution, and it's one of those things, obviously, when you have names that are different than names that you're traditionally used to, you know, it can be hard sometimes to, like, remember who's who and who's what, but mm-hmm. I was able to easily remember her because, you know, Kotetsu being her father and Kaede being the daughter, they both started with a K, and I could keep that, and by the end of it, I was like, Kaede, that's kind of a nice name. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like their their version of like we would have like Katie or Caitlin here, but it just rolled off the tongue nice and, and her, her character was enjoyable to watch as she was growing and as she was going through all the evolution of being, you know, like you said, out in the burbs, kind of separated from her dad and the emotions that she had with that. And then just almost like in real life, the the maturity that goes through kids, you know, we always know girls mature faster than boys. And so kind of mixing some of that in with the the powers. It was just, a, it was it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, I liked most of the characters. I think most of the other heroes were, I don't say one-note characters, because they were a little more than that, but they were definitely archetypes. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, they're getting a second season of this that, I mean, it's been 10 years since the first one came out. I'm very curious if 10 years will have elapsed story time, and I'm kind of hoping it does, maybe not a full 10 years, but at least five or six. Yeah. Because that way we can get Kaede as a yep. young hero. We can see the evolution of a couple of these other heroes. Maybe a few have retired, maybe they haven't. I don't know. But, I mean, for me, uh, Tiger was the one that I felt was, I don't say the most identifiable with, but that was the one that I felt the story really hinged around. Bunny is, is co-lead, but I felt he was more the foil for Tiger than the lead, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the show is called Tiger and Bunny, but it started off with Tiger, right? And then Bunny was introduced. It was It's pretty clear that even though he may be aging and, and aging out of his abilities, uh, obviously there's some stuff that happens with his powers as time goes on. But Kotetsu, no matter what Tiger, he was looked at as kind of the leader of the group. You know, as the season went on, as the fights got worse, as... You know, they were kind of torn apart individually and then brought back together. It really, they, they all looked to Kotetsu for kind of that, that leadership, that guidance. And so, yeah, without him, it really does kind of 
take a lot of wind out of the sails. I kind of took him more as the heart and soul of the team, but not so much the leader. Because there were one or two times where he's like, oh, let's do this, and nobody will, but then Sky High or one of the others say it, and then everybody's on board. So I think he's the one that they realize they ought to listen to, but instinctively they just kind of don't. And it's, it's an interesting dynamic, because he's certainly, I think, the most heroic of the bunch, but he's also the most, it's not accident-prone or clumsy, but uh, certainly inflicts the most collateral damage uh, due to his exuberance, we'll say. Yeah, I, I definitely felt that his character had the most desire to do good, mm-hmm. whereas some of the other characters had the most desire to win the competition, so to speak. Like, they were chasing the points, they were always trying to be at the top, and that was a, kind of a, a little bit of an evolution for Bunny along the way, but but for Tiger, it was definitely, he's a hero to help people, period. And that plays, wreaks a lot of havoc in his personal life with Kaede. Absolutely. And and I think that that is one of the pieces that really makes him, in my mind, I, I can see what you're saying where he's kind of like the heart and soul, but I also view that as kind of leadership, like he's doing it for the ultimate good. Mm-hmm. And yes, a lot of collateral damage. That's probably the, the best way to say it <laughs> um, along the way, which at times was frustrating and painful to watch and at other times was a little hilarious. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because there are a couple of the other characters, like Origami Cyclone, when we get to the episode where they're at the hero school, and he's like, okay, your job is to please your sponsors. It's like, okay, that's very clearly his goal. It's not to get points, it's not to be popular, it's to please his his employer. Yep. Whereas, I would say Blue Rose's motivation is she wants to be a singer, this is a way to that. Yes. And... For some of the others, it was a little less clear exactly what motivated them. Correct. And actually, as I'm thinking about this, should we set the stage for the show itself? I know we yeah, did the probably. first volume of the manga, and I don't know how many people will have listened to that and jumped into this. So you know, I guess basically what we could kind of baseline it all by saying is that this is kind of a, a team, superhero team in a way, but they also are in it kind of individually. It's a game show is the premise, and these are superheroes fighting crime, fighting bad guys, and as they make arrests, as they save people, as they get involved, they earn points. And at the end of the television season, the one who has the most points is the champion. And along the way, there's, like you were saying, there's sponsorships, there's, you know, all these different pieces that go into what these characters are, and there's one man who kind of runs the heroes and then there's a woman who runs the tv channel and and is always focused on ratings and so you're kind of in this ecosystem of of both watching the heroes fight and and do good but then at the same time they're judged and rated and you're watching the scoreboard as as the season goes on well it was interesting because at the beginning where we've got tiger's employer who's basically getting shut down so tiger's contract gets sold off and such it was looking like everybody had their own i mean they do have their own corporate sponsors but almost like that's where they were headquartered. But then it became clear that, no, no, they've got this centralized thing at Hero TV where there's a gym, where they'll, you know, do some of their, their you know, photo shoots or, or what have you and such. And when they set it up, is there a team of rivals? I thought that was very interesting because they, they don't work together, but they don't not work together. And there are a couple of times where it's like, yep, we've all got to chip in and do this together. And the other times, nope, I want the points. Right. And I thought that, that dynamic was kind of interesting. It is. I mean, it's if you imagined the Avengers in competition with one another, but mm-hmm. 
at the very last minute willing to save the other person's back if they need to. Yeah, they're friendly rivals for the most part. Right. And then, of course, the wrench gets thrown in with the first ever superhero team up. Mm-hmm. Well, and what I found interesting with that is, okay, we've got Tiger and Bunny. They're they're now a pair. They're They're teaming up and such. The fact that Bunny had the same hundred power as Tiger, if he can, you know, power up for five minutes and multiply his abilities by a hundred and such, it's like they both got the exact same power. Mm-hmm. The the fact that was never explained uh, kind of frustrated me a little bit. So without giving too much away, I wondered if the ultimate villain at the end of this, mm-hmm. I was wondering if he had a hand in that. Very well may have, because he definitely seemed to be pulling a lot of strings as became evident at the end of the season, but there was never even a line of dialogue of, didn't you ever wonder why you had the same powers or something of the sort? That is true. That is true. That was not, that was never discussed. But I just, I, that that's where my suspicion goes because of his connection to what Bunny's parents were working on. Mm-hmm. And then you're know, like, oh, I've got this person who is kind of by default wants to please me and Tiger, for the longest time, was kind of the top leaderboard, the fan favorite. So, you know, you kind of replace him with the person who is almost going to follow you with blind trust. That was kind of where my my mind went and why that's what I was thinking. And it would certainly make sense and could have easily been worked into the story. I was just surprised that they never really touched on that. Yeah. It almost felt like there was so much going on that, you know, like we often talk about how in some of the things we read, things are like so drug out. Mm Mm-hmm. And then vice versa, we've got, I think in this case, they for one season, and 25 episodes is no short season, but there was a lot packed in there that they could have expanded on. Oh, yeah. If they wanted to do this for a 50-episode season, they could have easily, without padding it, but just going into a little more depth, doing a few more side stories and such. Because there are a lot of things they just kind of hinted at. Like at the end, when Wild Tiger is kind of on the outs with people, and it's like, oh, he must be a, what do they call him, a power type next or something like that. You know, it's like, oh, they've got categories of next. Next is the acronym for their powered individuals. I think it was noted entities with extra ter- uh, extraordinary talents or something like that. Yeah, something the, like the that. the next evolution of man or, or something like that. But, I mean, they could have gone into a little bit more of, of, of those sorts of things. They touched a little on the second league or whatever it was of, of the lesser heroes. It also implied at the beginning that they were paring down the number of heroes on Hero TV to just the top seven. And I'm like, so what happened to everybody else that we hadn't been seeing? <laughs> so there was definitely, I think, more room to explore stuff. And I, again, I'm curious what their game plan is for a second season, particularly after a decade. And a decade in which... Being an internet celebrity has become much more of a thing. I mean, it was a thing back then, but I think it's it's very different now. And right. the concept of reality TV, celebrity TV, the whole idol thing over in Japan and such, that level of, of fame and notoriety has evolved over the last decade. So I'm, I'm curious where they go with that and where they left. Because at the end, they do a year jump of just, okay here's our epilogue, how things turned out after some time, which is very common in the Super Sentai shows. I don't know how common it is in other Japanese storytelling. But to then have, potentially again, another jump after that, a decade or something, could be interesting. And I didn't feel they left Wild Tiger necessarily in a bad place or the best of places. Yeah, yeah, because the ending, 
both he and Bunny. Trying not to give everything away. <laughs> oh, we did say we were doing some spoilers, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the bottom yeah. line is they get to a point where they step away for a bit and they come back. So if you ended before you had the one-year jump, you, you have one set of expectations. Mm-hmm. Then you roll forward a year and they say, no, we're going to go this way instead, which I find interesting. Not not good or bad, but, you know, definite choice. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll be honest, like the first five episodes of the season, I was kind of like, oh, this could be a little bit of a slog. It, it just it wasn't clicking with me. I don't know why. It just it wasn't clicking. I think it took a little bit to get up to speed. It was, yeah. I don't know if they were just trying to start too much at once, but it, it just was not really working. And I think it was around, I'm, I'm looking at episode list right now, because they were released in chunks. I think it was episode eight was when it came out. Because I don't know if you, you looked into this or not, but the way that things were released was on May 27th, uh, 2011, they released episodes one and two. And then a month later, it was three and four. And then a month later, it was five, six, and seven. And that started three episodes for the rest of the run. And I think it was episode eight where it finally clicked in with me. And that's where I really started to go. The other thing that really got to me, and I don't know if you picked up on the same sorts of vibes, but it started to feel very Batman-esque at times with Mr. J and Cream. Yeah, yeah. And and then just kind of the way that Maverick morphed. There's just so many things where I was like, wow, this feels... Very familiar. <laughs> well, they were, yeah. I think, blending the Japanese kind of superhero and manga stuff with an American flavor. You know, they set it in a New York-type city. Wild Tiger, I mean, yeah, he's got the powers, but there's almost a, a Batman-esque aspect, certainly to his original costume, and almost an Adam West Batman version to his personality at times, where he's easy to... to you know, see a comedic side of. Right. But I think for me, when they first started out, it's like, okay, we're getting to know Tiger, we're getting to know Bunny, starting to get to know Blue Rose. Are we just going to go one by one through these? Do we get a plot line? It wasn't until we started getting the stuff about Ouroboros and where Bunny was trying to figure out who killed his parents that things started to get moving and we had an actual underlying plot line to, to go with. And that would be around, I think, episode seven or eight or nine thereabouts. Yep, I, I definitely felt it. When we get the big bad and he's like taking out everybody else, it's like, oh, how do we stop him and such? To me, that was starting to feel like a, you know, mid-season hiatus kind of cliffhangerish sort of a deal or something. Not to say it was, but that kind of pacing. Right. And definitely the relationship between, you know, the big bad and the equivalent of, of Harley almost. She was acting as his spokesperson for his taking over the TV show, which I thought was was interesting and and whatnot. But yeah, definitely, I see the parallels there. So I and I don't find that a problem. It's not like it's no. When I was watching it, I wasn't thinking, oh, they're just doing the Joker and Harley or something like that. But I could definitely see where they were being inspired by you know various types of heroes and archetypes and whatnot, and, and going in different directions with them. I just thought it was interesting how they ended up taking Jay as the name and, you know, pale face tattoos. It just kind of was like, wow, (laughs) it clicked with me right away. And it actually helped because I didn't have to, you know, like certain times you see a villain and there's certain behaviors, mannerisms, things they say that you're like, you're trying to figure out what's the motive behind it and looking almost past what he's saying or doing or she to see if you can identify the cause for it. 
Mm-hmm. And I noticed that I didn't do any of that with Jay. I was just assuming that he was a Joker psychopath kind of thing. And so like it just let me focus on the storyline and didn't take me out of it. So I actually, for me, it worked out better. Yeah. Well, and again, it gave them a bit of a, a through line to go with of, okay, we're building to this, we're building to this. That gets resolved, but then it opens another door, another question for the, you know, who killed uh, Bunny's parents and such, which again, really propels the, the second half of the season. Yep. So I felt, again, I would agree, it was a little slow maybe at the beginning, but there are some shows where it's like, okay, I've got a chunk of them to watch. I've watched an episode or two or three. It's like, ah, I'm done for the day or something. Others where it's, no, I'm going to keep going. And this was a, a more on the I'm going to keep going than I've had enough for today. And that's not to say those shows are bad. Sometimes it's just it's more than I can handle or I need time to process it or, or something of that sort. Yeah. For me, I I was very much the first seven episodes or so. I was very much in the I watched two in a row and it was kind of like, OK, I have to step back and mm-hmm. like cleanse my palate, so to speak. It wasn't like I disliked it. It was just a lot and I needed to not have to work so hard to watch TV. <laughs> and so I stepped back from it. And then, like I said, once it hit that eighth episode and things started clicking and there was all of a sudden there was a rhythm and mm-hmm. they had a common enemy for, you know, a good chunk of episodes and then another common enemy, but the story was still advancing. Like there were still stories within the story. Yeah. It was, it was enough to make me just keep going because it was kind of, well, I kind of want to figure out what's going out now. And so I think I clicked off like eight episodes in one, one afternoon. I was doing some work down in my office and I had it running in the background. And I'm sure that I would have been done in half the time had I not had it running, but it, it, it picked up steam and it was, it was very enjoyable. Well, and I think they needed some runway at the beginning to get up that critical mass of story momentum and, and stuff like that to propel through the rest of the season and such. And there's an aspect of some of these characters that are, are more archetypal than I would have cared for in a few times. And I mean, there, there's an act, aspect of, of Rock Bison. Yep, he's, he's not the smartest guy or the most assertive or something he's he's the best friend kind of personality archetype you know and sky high he may be a a good hero but he's a little dense you know and and fire emblem is very over the top at times yes and there's an aspect of that where it's like okay i've i've had my fill of of their personality for the moment they were interesting characters but they were certainly not subtle in some cases yeah yep i agree but reality TV, you're not going to get the, the dry, bland personality types. It's just not what it's for. Yep. And there were a few other characters that we had. We had the guy who built the suits. We had the lady who was running Hero TV, producing it and stuff. The I don't say the cameraman. He was what the uh, the switchboard guy at the, the controls, you know, cut to this, cut to that. Right. Uh, in the control booth and such. So, I mean, all said and done, there were a fair number of characters in play in this show at most times. You know, easily a dozen or more. Yes, it was, it was a very, it was a rich cast. It was a diverse cast as far as both their appearances, but also their mannerisms, their skill sets, their superhero powers, mm-hmm. their behaviors. I mean, it, it was a really, really big production, I would say. Well, and they had a diverse enough set of characters. That if all you saw was a line of dialogue, half the time you could figure out who it was. Yes. 
you know, because Fire Emblem spoke very differently than Rock Bison or Origami Cyclone or Wild Tiger or Bunny or something. Yep. And that I find very handy in this kind of a show. Because it took me a little while to, it's like, oh, wait, that's that's Dragon Kid versus that's Blue Rose or, or, you know, whoever. I agree. So I thought it was an enjoyable show. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think the reality TV aspect of it got played up at times and kind of downplayed at other times. And certainly the are they friends, are they not between Tiger and Bunny, uh, that was a, a main through line for the whole series, of course. And how they play that on a, a subsequent season, I'm going to be very curious about. Yeah, I liked how they, well, I think we've gotten to a point where we have a, at least a, a general idea of their relationship at the end of the season, but there was it was not without some twists and turns along the way. And I think they both, they both kind of grew and found a point of mutual respect and understanding. And then it was taken away from them mm-hmm. uh, f- for a period of time and had to be regained. But, you know, I, yeah, to me, this this played out way better on the screen than it did in the manga. Well, I think there's some stuff that would be really tough to do on the manga. There was a scene in the later part of the series where they are on a like a late night talk show, being interviewed, and they're 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 going back and forth. And having gotten to know the characters, you know that they're really starting to get on each other's nerves at the moment. But from the talk show host's point of view, oh, they're bickering like the friends they are sort of a thing, you know? Yeah. Like a, you know, married couple. And and had a very different take on it. Have you always had this kind of, you know, friendship or whatever? I can honestly say we've always been this way or whatever, kind of, you know. The delivery of those lines makes it play. Just having them in word balloons on the page, you, you can't get that nuance out of. Right. You know, I can tell you how many times... My sister and I will watch something, and we'll talk about it afterwards, either for an episode or not, and she's like, well, I took it this way, and I'm like, wow, I, I, I took it very differently. I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm not saying I'm right, I'm just saying there was room for interpretation in something that was a live-action, well-acted, decently-written thing. Now, if you've got just lines on a page that are making the, the, the words and the pictures, you're taking out the nuance, the, the music cues, the delivery, the body language, all of that. So the room for interpretation just can really, really open up. And I think for the type of story they were doing here, I don't know that manga really has all the tools you would need, with most creators at least. I think there are a few that could probably do it, to, to really get that across. Yeah, it, it was. It would have been really hard to pull it all off. And, and I don't know how many volumes of the manga are there. There was the first two, and then was there two more, one for each of the movies? Is that how they did it? I think there was nine volumes of the the Digest side, and then two for the beginning, uh, side A, side B, or something like that. I forget what else. Yeah, two. the beginning was one of the movies, and then Tiger and Bunny the Rising was the other one. Yeah. Actually, you know, shoot, if we want to do this right, we should probably watch Tiger and Bunny the Rising, because the first line in the description is taking place following the epilogue of episode 25. Ah, okay. <laughs> I have to keep that in mind, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll have to watch that and do a review before we see the new season when it comes out. I really think to do this in a comic form, you would need somebody like, was it Kevin McGuire who had the knack of he would draw somebody and they would have a face with like two expressions on it as if you were catching them as the minute they're going, hey, wait. You know, and going, that was funny, wait, that was an insult, sort of, that that moment of realization or something. Somebody yes. With that level of, of acting in their drawing, 
would make some of these things play on the page, whereas you can do that in the in the voiceover or the the you know the voice work and stuff. And I think they did very well with this because there were a couple of times where like when 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 Tiger was on the outs and stuff, his interaction with a few, it's like you know he thought they were going to say something, they said something else. He's like, hey, wait, you know, and I I, I felt some of that was fun. Yeah, yeah, I I just dropped a little screenshot in the chat for you but yeah kevin mcguire joe rubenstein yeah that that's what you're thinking of there are a couple where it's even more pronounced where you've got the the one like the left side of the face has a very happy reaction the other is almost a very sad like it's just you've hit them as they're switching expressions gotcha yep you know but very much that kind of a thing yeah for sure and i still don't know how it would play out with the dialogue I think you need more than just the dialogue for some of this is the thing. Yeah, I just, you need both. And I feel like that it's either way, uphill well, battle. <laughs> it, the, the thing with doing this on the printed page, Tiger is a very animated person compared to Barnaby, who's a very quiet, reserved individual, versus, right. say, Sky High with thanks and thanks again, devoid of any intellect in the delivery of that almost. You know, and there's ways that you can get that out verbally with a lot of nuance and a lot of different ways to deliver the same lines that, again, on the printed page, you get none of that. Mm-hmm. And for something that was so much on, we're watching the TV show along with everybody else at times, to not have that sense of, of action, of movement, of, you know, cut to commercial sort of a thing, which is hard to convey on, on the printed page. I think there's... Uh, Obviously, I've got 70,000 comics thereabouts. I, I think there are a lot of stories that could be very well told in comic book form. But this is one where I think the animated version played to the story's strengths more than the printed page can. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. We see it no. in, the, in reverse form quite a bit where the printed page just seems to have that something extra that they couldn't get get in the, you know, the, the adaptation, whether it was because of scripting or whatever. So it's fine. It goes the other way the end of the day, it was very enjoyable, mm-hmm. especially once I got past that first little hump. I'm actually very much looking forward to season two, and, and I hope that they don't change the tone of it that much. I guess the way that I'm thinking of it is, if it can be similar to The Incredibles, with that long delay between Incredibles 1 and Incredibles 2, they kept the same tone, they kept the same feel. I would really hope that they could do the same with the show, because it really was a lot of fun, and I am interested to see what Kaede's developments are, and I hope that there is that time lapse. I want enough of a time lapse that Kaede can be a rookie hero. Mm-hmm. Tiger, maybe still on the, the B team, maybe not, don't know. But have, uh, I want at least Blue Rose, maybe Dragon Kid still around as kind of the older sisters of sorts for Kaede. And... I don't know about the others. I mean, it'd be fun to have them, but I'd also like to see a, a few new faces in the mix. So I think there's a lot they can do. I want a similar tone and style, but I don't want them to just redo what they did either. Correct. Yeah, right. But I, I don't think the property is broken in any way or needs fixing. But I, I do think there could be some fun stuff where we've got Tiger as uh, the proud father of this new hero who's constantly getting shown up by the new hero too, you know? Because it would very much go with the is he past his prime theme that was kind of a, a running bit with him in the first season. Yeah, I think the other thing that could be kind of fun is does she have the same penchant for disaster in her wake or does she not and kind of like 
make fun of her dad along the way, you know, like, well, you know, you didn't see me break out, you know, half of the, half of the block or yeah. I didn't crash that car, you know, kind of like that sort of a sassy behavior. Oh, I would almost love to see an episode start with them having clearly just teamed up. You take the left, I'll take the right, cut to the opening credits, come back, and you, you, you see the two of them, okay, we're done. And you pull back and you realize on Kaede's side, the villains are down, but everything else is still standing. On Kotetsu's side, everything's down. The buildings, the, the, the cars. <laughs> the villains, everything. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, he's still, you know, got the collateral damage. For sure. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I thought this was a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely think it's it's worth checking out. Good production values. Again, different sensibility than some American stuff, but that's part of what we love about uh, anime and stuff like that, is they're coming at it from their perspective, and I think they told a story here that, that worked out much better than if it had been a, an American production. Yeah, and it was enjoyable from an action standpoint. There was there was a lot happening in every episode. Mm-hmm. There were peaks and valleys of you know very fast and intense fighting action to some more touching ones. I'm thinking of Blue Rose with her parents. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of obviously Kayede. Even some of the, the interaction between Tiger and Bunny. One of the scenes that really stuck out to me was when Tiger used his his hundred power to heal himself so he could go and find mm. Bunny. You know, like there's little things like that that, you know, it really had just a rich development to it. It was it was very, very well done. And I would agree. I think it's if you're into anything superhero, you know, if you're not into anime or haven't watched anime, but you like superhero, whether it's the Batman animated series or even like things like Power Rangers, Super Sentai. It's definitely something that I think anyone would enjoy who likes those sensibilities. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's it's very accessible, and it may take a, a few episodes to get rolling for you, but I think it's it's got the payoff at the end. Yeah. And I don't okay. think the first episodes are bad either. No. It's just, again, a little slow. Yeah, but you, it, you almost, to an extent, you almost need them, though, because it does set a lot of, of background and a lot of groundwork for... I think for like the TV station, uh, mm-hmm. a big part of it was the TV station. And I will say, uh, you know, I was able to kind of pick up on who the ultimate bad was. I would say a little over halfway through the, the season, I was kind of like, I think it's this person. And I kind of have an under a guess as to why. And it pretty much played out, which was okay because I enjoyed the journey. It was It was well done along the way. Yeah, yeah. It was some fun stuff. Yeah, and this, I, I have to be honest, this was not something that was anywhere close to my radar. I do keep probably a closer eye on the manga offerings than, than you do, but it was Tiger and Bunny came out before I was really diving into it, so I missed it on that front. And then anime has never been something that I've really watched a whole lot of. I tend to be more of a reader than a watcher, and mm-hmm. I'm guilty of not even being up to date on superhero movies or TV shows in general, which is probably bad as a comic store owner, but I... I tend to put more more emphasis into the paper product because that's really what I sell. So I try to know more about that than I than anything else. I'm I'm aware. I'm certainly up on the latest scuttlebutt in the news, but so watching things is usually falls through the cracks, unfortunately. But I'm really glad that that you brought this one up. I know we're kind of trying to dabble a little bit more into manga, and and we'll hit some anime along the way. And this was a fun start. Yeah, I enjoyed this quite a bit. I forget exactly how it got on my radar to begin with, but it was, you know, again, about a decade or so back. And I do not do 
much in manga or anime. I mean, I, I watch the Super Sentai shows. I enjoy those. I certainly find the Japanese culture very interesting and, and fascinating and such. But I'm not about to go dive into, you know, a manga series that's gone for, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of pages and such. It's just <laughs> a little daunting. It is, but then again, shoes on the other foot for a new reader who wants to get into Spider-Man or Batman. You know, it's a pretty big uphill climb there, too. So I guess we, we have to pick and choose. And if we find something that looks good, we just have to dabble. Absolutely. And I think the, the other difference, though, with the manga, it's usually a, a solid through line for the story. Whereas on the American side, Spider-Man, Batman, some of these other characters, they've often been rebooted a time or two over the years. <laughs> this is true. So, this is very true. Not, not good or bad, just different. Yep. Yep. Anything else on this? Not anything on this particularly, but I did want to say one thing. So okay. we've we've read Tiger Bunny Volume 1. We've watched mm -hmm. Season 1. We have read another manga, and I don't know if that episode has gone out yet, or if it will when this goes out. The other one will have gone up by now, by the time this episode gets released. Okay, so then folks would know that we read Volume 1 of My Hero Academia. Yes. You should have received Volume 2. I have. Okay, so we'll give that a go, but then is it fair to say we'll try and watch Season 1 of My Hero Academia as well? We put that on our list? We'll put it on the list. I'm not going to commit to it just yet. Okay. How, how many episodes, how long of a time commitment is that? I feel like we looked this up once and I've already forgotten, so I'm looking it up again. We can we can talk about that offline, too. I'm certainly game for, for sampling it. I don't know if I'm game for a full season of it. Thirteen episodes. Thirteen episodes, and that, that doesn't sound too bad. Let me do a little, little, little dig in on that, a little research on that. No worries. A part of it with this is we've identified a few other mangas to do, and I, I do want to do them, but I think one or two of them... We may need to split into chunks. Okay. Because we've talked about doing the Batman, Jiro, Kawada, Batmanga stuff. Right. And there's three volumes of that. Each of which is like 350 pages. They read fast. I will say that. Okay. But we still may want to split that like in, <laughs> in half or thirds or whatever. It's. Uh, yep. That's fine. Just it takes the time to flip the page, if nothing else. Come on. <laughs> you don't have a fan set up that just automatically flips the page for you? No. No, I don't. Oh, man. But yeah, this is this is fun. I like doing the reading and watching kind of kind of aspect of things and compare and contrast. Oh yeah, because I I don't know that I would have liked Tiger and Bunny as much if I'd continued and if I'd only experienced it through the manga and tried to continue through all nine volumes. Yeah. I just I don't think the story would have worked for me in that format, not because of anything on how they executed the format, but just the nature of the story versus the nature of of print versus, you know, animated. No, I, I agree. I'm right there with you. I would have been in the same boat, kind of spinning in a circle. Well, it's like when Boom first got a Power Rangers comic that worked. Other publishers have tried over the years, and it's one that there's a, it, it's not a surefire hit to take a, a live-action show, even as popular as it was, and successfully translate it to the printed page. Right. You know, some stories do that well, others don't. Some you know, put them in novel format, they work great take them out of novel format, and they collapse. You know, the, the prose format versus the comic book format versus, again, live action or, or animated. Different stories work better in different formats. I agree. All in all, it was great. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go through some of those, those other things, and we'll see if we want to do the, uh, both the, the manga and the anime, because I do think comparing and contrasting the two can be fun. 
Yeah. And obviously some of them don't have one or the other, so we'll be limited there. But yeah, no, this was this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you bringing this one up. No, glad you enjoyed it. Anything else? Nope, I'm good. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.